Um, I just thought we'd better have a quick chat as yep. this is your first I podcast. Podcast <laughs> Virgin, a newbie. Who have you got lined up for us? Uh, Bruno Mark. Do you, have you got a little intro for them, or should I do it? Uh, I haven't got an intro, no. Bruno Mark, yeah. And Casey Coleman. Uh, okay, I've got an intro. I've prepared one. <laughs> so I'll tell you who is going to join us. <laughs> the people you invited to join us. So Bruno Mark Giametti is one of the brothers who owns the Mark Anthony hairdressing group in the south of England. I think there's five salons now in lovely towns like Henley-on-Thames and Fleet in Hampshire. Bruno's a really big character in the industry. He's in the British Hairdressing Awards Hall of Fame for his hairdressing skills and they have a massively brilliant art team as well, so that's without question. And he's also very involved in the Fellowship for British Hairdressing and was even the president a few years back. So he's very committed and um, he's always got a lot to say. So I'm really looking forward to having him on the podcast for the first time. And then joining him is another man who's always got a lot to say and he makes really funny Instagram messages which always have me laughing is Casey Coleman who is a hairdresser based in Cardiff. Um, I need to catch up with Casey and where he's up to because he founded Chair Salon Studio and he's also well known for his awards and we've had him at Colour World with us and he's done lots of things for us and I know he's also does a lot of session work. Are you excited? Yes, really excited. First yeah. one, yeah. <laughs> Good. Okay. Well, let's let's um, let them into the Zoom studio and find out what they've got to say. I think they're here. Welcome to the Respectfully Podcast. Hi, Bruno. Hi, Casey. Hello. Hi, Nikki. Hi, Ellie. Hi. Casey. And it's the first, so I was just saying to our listeners, this is the first podcast with Ellie joining me. Ellie works with me on Respect and our my usual partner in podcast crime is Lauren, but she's homeschooling young children and finding it mentally very, very challenging. Oh my gosh. So we've given her a bit of time <laughs> off and um, Ellie's in with us instead. So we wanted to talk to you guys. You're, we work in hairdressing and actually Ellie is a hairdresser. Yes. And does some freelance hairdressing work. But we wanted to find out what it's actually like. And a bit of a no-holds-barred, you know, catch-up of where we are. Lockdown number three. By March, it looks as though most salons or many salons in the UK will have had to have been closed for something like seven months out of 12. Yeah. Um, You know, pretty horrific. Uh, And just kind of see where you're up to. So let's start. Bruno. You've got five salons group. Yeah. Employ tens of staff. Eighty staff. And I've seen I've seen you talking on social media to some degree, but just in a nutshell, what what are you prepared to share with us about what it's like? Well, I mean, do you know? Funny enough, I had a meeting with my brothers this morning because it is very hard. I find like we were all talking about earlier. This lockdown, I'm sure Stacey, uh, Casey finds the same, is the hardest one for me. And staff, you know, without re- realising it, they do add more pressure on top of everything else yeah. because we're furloughing, obviously, all of our staff. And, you know, the law is, or I'm told that you need to pay them and then claim. We're claiming furlough and then we're paying our staff because I haven't got the money in the accounts to do it any other way. And, you know, I had a certain person say to me, do you know who owns a business, you should be paying them and then claiming it. I said, well, I can't, I haven't got no money. 
And it's great that the government are giving out all these grants, but when you speak to everybody, and I've been speaking to a lot of hairdressers, these grants aren't coming through. The yeah. local councils are not giving them, you know? They yeah. say, mm. yeah, this lockdown was 9,000. When we applied, it was 1,300 pounds. Yeah. So yeah. it's not 9,000. No. You know, and people out there think, as the owner, like I've had some of my staff turn around and say, oh, but you had all these grants. I'm like, well, I've got rents of 38,000 pounds for yeah. one yeah. shop. A 25,000 yeah. pound grant might cover a bit of my rent and my bills. Yeah. But there's nothing for us, the self-employed or the hairdresser that actually no. owns the business, the director. Yeah. And they, they've talked about it on the news because I've been following it, that possibly directors might get something. But it's too hard to control because there's so many people that go against the system and you know do not come truthful with their figures. So they don't want to commit to that and lose thousands, yeah. which I understand. But okay. in the meantime, we're living off our savings. It is hard. It is yeah. very hard. Right, you've raised about 11 points there, which I'm going to come Sorry. back to. No, no, that's what you're here for. That's what we want. Casey, let's just jump to you. You do, if you're prepared to share with us a little yeah. Casey of where you are, and then, we'll, then we can have a good old discussion on what we think about each of these points. I've actually had to close my salon. My salon's closed. It's done. It's, you know, and it wasn't necessarily um, all COVID. You know, I actually, this after the first lockdown. Down your salon. You mean you're actually finishing the business? No, no, it's closed. We're done. Wow. Wow. Yeah, so we, we closed um, on the 19th of December and then we were put into lockdown that evening. So, you know, it, it just so happened that the date that I was closing my salon for good lined up with the third lockdown. Um, now, like I said, it's not necessarily because of COVID. COVID has definitely been a factor, but I'm a single person. I haven't got a life partner. I have nobody to lean on. Um, being a business owner is a very lonely place, regardless of what anybody says. It's a very lonely situation to be in. And, you know, my team struggled severely with mental health, as well as myself. I had really, you know, I hadn't had a panic attack for five years, and then all of a sudden I was suffering every day. Um, so for me, the, the strain hasn't been fina financial. It's been physical and mental and trying to comfort my team who are panicking and worrying I, I tend to be very emotionally connected to my job because I love it so much and it's hard to see other people struggle and not only myself other hairdressers people like Bruno you know 25 grand isn't going to cover what he needs to cover I had 10 grand to cover me for three months that barely covered a month and a half yeah. and luckily because I like to save money I saved up a backlog of money um, so luckily I was okay, but I shouldn't have to be spending money that we'd saved as a business um, and that I was going to invest into my business in the future yeah. when I'm now having to spend it on rent and bills because a lot of companies didn't give me grace and they told me that I had to pay. You know, yeah. it's a really so. tough position to be in. Really, really tough. I agree. I agree. And similarly, you know, I'm a small business owner and Ellie is part of my team. We have six people. And that, that for me, that was the first, first, I don't want to say a burden because my team's lovely and they're not a burden, but the first overwhelming responsibility I felt was to keep people employed and to keep people being able to pay their rents and look after their own families. And it's a, it's a massive responsibility. What's been the biggest pressure on you each business-wise? You've each touched on it there actually with the rents. 
is that been the biggest pressure? Because we have been able to do some furloughing, providing your staff was employed, not freelance. I think, I mean, Stace, uh, I keep saying Stacey, Casey. <laughs> All the time, <laughs> honestly, any time I see Bruno. Every time I see Casey, I call him Stacey. Um, Casey picked up on it, and I mean, I'm lucky in the sense I've got three brothers, yeah? And our wives work in the business, so they do the financing, all that type of work. And But I would say to Casey that one of the biggest helps has been Colette Osborne and Hair Unite. Yeah, and she's been we won it last yeah. night. And the advice that, that they had lawyers on that are giving people is such a great help. And it doesn't matter if you're on your own or you're in a big group. That is kind of, I mean, they've got over, I think it's 4,000, nearly 5,000 followers. Yeah. And it's a great help and you can pick up and speak to any of those people. And I found we've used her a lot. And I mean, I've actually feel she's like my friend now and yet I've never met her. Yeah. It's only been through lockdown. We've had so many um, conversations. And I just think our hairdressing community, like what you're doing, Nikki, everybody, we do come together. Yeah. yeah? We haven't got no... It's definitely been really helpful. Yeah, we're, yeah. We're, we're a big team. And I think, you know, everybody's there to help everybody. Casey, have you found it easy to share? Have you found it... It's 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 funny. I, I actually um I found solace in social media um during the first lockdown. I really kind of um because I was lacking a routine, I, I gave myself a routine and I decided to give myself a goal of educating people for free and building my online platform and you know, just as it happens, I I, I doubled my, my following within three months, which was insane for me. So I actually found a lot of comfort in sharing with people online because like I said I'm I'm a single person I don't have a partner I don't have a business partner and I've I've almost made friends with people that I didn't even know before um like Bruno said he's made friends with Colette I've made friends with um quite a few Instagram um should we influencers maybe I don't know what you you might want to call them they've got a lot of followers or whatever but and some people haven't got that many followers and it really doesn't matter because each person is giving me value. They are giving me something additional that I didn't have before. So, you know, they're giving me advice on how to cope. You know, it's funny, you think you can't turn to social media because it's seen as quite a negative space, actually. But, you know, I, was, I, um, I had a really big campaign to shoot in December and I got on the train and I had a panic attack. And normally during a panic attack, I'd call my mum, but my her phone died. So then I panicked even more because I couldn't get hold of my mum. So I posted on my story and I swear to you, I had over 100 messages within five minutes because people were so loving and kind and wanting to give you information and wanting to help. So like Bruno said, a problem, a problem shared is a problem aired. And I honestly... I think that even though social media shouldn't be the be-all and end-all, it is a place where people can share their values and they can share their experiences. Um, and I really feel like I'm part of the hairdressing community now more than ever before, um, possibly because of lockdown, because the only way we can keep in contact is social media. Yeah. Mm. Let me bring in Ellie here. So Ellie, with your hairdresser hat on, because you have a, a client base yeah. that you look after <laughs> as well, how did you find it? So going back to um, the sort of first lockdown, which we would think of as being sort of April, May, June last year, how did it feel for you not being able to work or what pressure were you getting from clients at all? Did you find social media helpful? 
Well, I, did, I found a few people would always be, you'd get the odd people that would be like, oh, go on, go on, just do it. No one what, will know. Yeah, no, no one will know. So obviously I, did, I didn't do that. It wasn't a risk I'm willing to take. But, you know, you did get people asking. I'm sure both of you got, may probably got that as well. Um, but it, it was, I think it was just so different for not to not work isn't it where you're used to doing something every day and then all of a sudden you just stop so it was like oh so what do I what do I do there's nothing else to do but if you're normally if you're not going to work you've taken time off for a reason but yeah you just took this I think it was that there was no roadmap for any of us was there I think that was also you know whether it's personally or whether you're somebody who's employed in a salon or freelance or whether you know, you're heading up a company, there's no roadmap for this. It was just pretty scary from that point of view, I think. So, Casey, having now closed the salon and decided yeah. that's it, how has that made you feel? How, do you feel instantly relieved or do you still fit, do you feel angry that you had to do that? How do you feel about that? It, it, it's a mixed bag, to be honest, because um, unfortunately, I opened that salon on a negative premise. I left somewhere where I wasn't happy and I opened a salon. It was either open a salon or move to London and I didn't want to move to London. So I opened a salon. Um, I didn't want to go to another salon because I don't, I didn't want to be disrespectful to my previous employer and go and work for somebody else in the area. So I decided to just open my own business. Casey, come work for us. Uh, well, uh, yeah, right, okay. I'm going to come all the way up there. We're only down the M4, Reading, that's close. <laughs> it's not that far. I might come and do a few days for you, bro. No? <laughs> um, so, so when I opened chair salons, um, even though I really wanted to push myself out of my, outside my comfort zone, I, I don't think I should... I'm glad I've done it. I'm really glad I opened a salon. Um, however, I think I put a pause on my career for three years. Oh, for a few years, or I tried to balance the both. So when I had to close it, it was a sigh of relief because A, I didn't have um, the responsibility of worrying about my team anymore, um, which, you know, I get, I love my, I, lo- I love, and I still speak to my, my ex-team now, you know, but the responsibility was nicer not on my shoulders, you know, I didn't, like Bruno said, it Ron, I didn't want any kind of breeze blocks on my shoulders all the time, and I felt like that's what it was. But at the same time, I was devastated because I had to close something that I'd poured, my blood, sweat, tears, time, which is the most valuable commodity to me. I don't care about money, I care about time, and the amount of time I put into that business, and then just having to close it because the future was so unpredictable was really really scary and now that I'm freelance I'm scared because um, I'm, I was lucky enough to save a lot of money but again I'm now having to use my savings and try and make money elsewhere you know and I was supposed to start clients um, yesterday because I was going to take a month off after Christmas but again we're in a lockdown so I currently don't know where I stand I I'm not entitled to any money I'm not entitled to anything because I'm newly, um, I'm not newly self-employed, but you know, I'm no longer a limited company. Um, so it's scary, yeah, it's difficult. really scary. What if, Bruno, what have you found your team, your staff telling you has been worrying them the most? Because, you know, if you're employed with well, Bruno my, Mark Sands, you're on furlough. My, my staff, whoops. Yeah. My staff basically, 
I mean, out of 80 staff, I can count on one hand how many people on every lockdown has called me. You know? Really? And I, I just think, and to be honest, I think I've had two, two people have called me to say, how are you, boss? How are you doing? You know? And I, t- I tend to think, and this isn't getting at my team or anything because I, I love them and I think they're great. But when you say furlough pay, they assume it's coming from the government. Yeah. Which, yes, the furlough is, but we have to pay the national insurance, the tax. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of, we've still got to find money. But they think we're okay because oh, we're just claiming it from them and get, you know, taking it from people yeah. to, to pay Paul. And they're accruing so, holiday as well, aren't they, as well? So it is... Y- yes, holiday as well. And, you know, some of my staff, some of my top guns have said, you know, it's great, I've never had so much money. I'm getting 80% wages for staying at home. My outgoings are non-existent because I'm not going out, I'm not spending. So they've actually got more money. In fact, one of our um, girls, when we came out of lockdown... Um, for the Christmas one, she handed in a notice. She said, I've managed to save up so much money, I'm going over to Abu Dhabi to work. And she left and went there. So, (laughs) you know, it's kind of, this is the way, and I don't blame her for that one little bit. I was always taught to save. So I've saved. At the age I'm at, I've always saved. And I'm going into my savings, okay? And some of my staff said, oh, but you must be loaded. You've got this, you've got that. But I've got my money for a rainy day, but why is it fair that I have to dig into my savings to support my business? Yeah. 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 When through no fault of mine, I've never had debt on my business in the 40 years I've done it, yet now I've taken out a £250,000 loan, kickback loan, which is £50,000 per salon, and I'm £60,000 into that so far. Yeah. And then after my 12 months, I have to start paying something like £4,500 back a month. Yeah. yeah, yeah, on the loans. I think you touched on it also in your opening, um, Bruno, as well, that some of the help that's offered, um, the government tells the local councils to give out the help, but they're not used to doing it. They don't have a system for it. They don't have a process. So some of these grants aren't reaching the right people or it's very slow. Well, though, I think what they're doing as well, though, is um, like I've been my like Cardiff and Cardiff's been great. We've actually had our money a week later every time. So if we apply for something, we get it seven days later. So Cardiff have actually been fantastic. But what I've heard a lot of um, local governments, etc., doing is they're keeping it in their banks because it's such a large amount of money. The interest on that amount of money is huge. So they're gaining interest off of this furlough money. So they're going to hold it as long as they can to earn money from it. So when they give it out, they're actually in credit because they're earning money from furlough money, which I think is horrendous. People are struggling and people are really having a tough time. It is. Although, to be honest with you, from what I've seen in most of the councils, I wouldn't credit them with being smart enough to do that case. Yes, holding on to it because they're just not—they're just not very good at giving it out. If you like, what about the landlords then? So that was obviously a big pressure for you, Casey. It's certainly a pressure for me. I've had very little support from my landlord. Yeah. What, Bruno, you mentioned it. How are we, you? We coping? we had a meeting this morning with our um, agent, and. That was one of the topics because he can. We've got five, five of our four businesses. One is a freehold, our flagship salon, which is this one, Henley, and the other four are all rented. And our rents are from twenty five up to thirty eight thousand. And none of our, not one of our landlords has given us leeway. 
they've only said what we will do instead of paying quarterly you can pay monthly which doesn't help us in any way whatsoever so we actually said to our agent this morning look we need a freeze we need three or four months leeway because this we we've got nothing coming in mm. you know and, and straight away we've actually had letters from our landlord saying well you had a grant that's what the grant's for well yeah. the grant does not just pay the rent yeah. it's paying everything all our bills Do you know my landlord so, said the same thing i'm wondering if the landlord I mean, association told them all to say that because it's yeah. he's my landlord started trying to tell me oh well you should have applied for this and that and i'm like well hang on don't tell me how to run my business you know yeah. exactly. i'm doing what i can i mean i i didn't get offered anything i just got told you still need to pay this yeah. is be all and end all there's no they, like and even now even after leaving now they still call me and contact me Really? You know, I yeah, they they I've been on the phone to them today because they're still, you know, they're still. Oh, what you know, what about this? What about this? I'm like, my contract is finished with you. Leave me alone. I don't want anything to do with you anymore because they made my life so difficult and so hard to deal with during lockdown. Because I asked, you know, are you going to be getting a low or like a freeze on your um on your mortgage for the for the business that I'm renting off you? And they said, that's no business of yours, whether we get a freeze or not. You still need to pay your bills. And they said, like everybody else, that's what your, lo- you know, that's what your loan is for. That's what your grant is for. And they just, it was almost like ruthless. Like, I don't care about you. I just want my money. And even when I, even when I brought it up on Facebook, friends of mine that were landlords were siding with them. And they were like, yeah, but they've got to earn money too. And I was like, I know they've got to earn money, but they're putting a freeze on their mortgage. Yeah. That's not, you know, there's no money being made there. I'm not making money when when I'm there. Where my salons are, we're in town centres and we're in prime positions, A1 positions. So our landlords are big, these big companies, you know, Mm -hmm. these big people that all stick their money in as investment companies. So they will not budge. They will not budge at all. They want their money, like Casey said, and um, it's very hard. The only good thing is that the law is stated that they can't throw us out. Yeah. So we've actually not paid them until we're ready. Yeah. And there's nothing they can do. So they can't throw us out. What about, I've seen, well, I think I've seen both of you, anyway, but there's a lot of talk about the cut the VAT. Do you think that you would know, help? I, I think if they did that for 10 months, I mean, obviously it would be great if they did it for a year. But even 10 months when we reopen and we can have a good sustained period that would help tremendously yeah. tremendously from going 20% to 5 and I feel it is so unfair they did it with all the restaurants which is the feel good make people go out and blah 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 when it comes to hair salons we were hit people were not coming through the door like they used to yeah. my figures up to Christmas I was like five, ten thousand pounds down per week in certain salons yeah. Because the people are still scared. We were getting emails from clients. Bit like our Hemi on Thames salon is a more elder clientele. And they were sending us emails, Bruno, I'm too scared to come in. You know, yeah. we're st- too scared to visit, which is understandable. Yeah. So whereas we were doing X amount Christmas before, this year we were well down by about 30% yeah. on a salon. Yeah. And then you've got all the PPE and everything and all the safety in procedures where you're having an extra 15 minutes per client because everything is sprayed down disinfected everything else you know it's it's just constant and we were discussing that this morning because i felt when we reopen i don't think it's going to be like it used to be 
I don't know, but I have a feeling we will have 20, 25% less clients. Do you think because so? People, but I, do, I do think that. Well, do you know what? The majority of our complaints came from, I'm not wearing a face mask. And I, oh, I, and I said to one client, do you know what? That's not a problem. But if you don't want to wear a face mask, you don't wear a face mask out there. You don't step in here anymore. You can get outside, please, because one of my staff are vulnerable. And she was really... Um, and this was building up because she, she used to come in every week. And she wasn't my client. She was somebody else's client. And the first day was, oh, this, this mask smells funny. Second time was, oh, God, it's hurting my ears. I feel like I'm suffocating. Third week was, I've got asthma. I can't wear it. So when the fourth week came, I knew exactly what she was going to say. She said, I'm exempt. I said, okay, have you got a letter to say you're exempt? No, I've got asthma. I said, well, actually... Um, I've been advised by a doctor that if you have asthma, you're better off wearing a mask. And if you're really that unwell, if you're really, really that unwell that you can't wear a mask, you shouldn't be stepping outside. And she got really, really arsy. Why am I paying um, extra? Because we hadn't actually raised our prices for three for the whole time that we were there. It was only when we came back from COVID that we raised our prices. So when her bill was £4 more, she raised a complaint. And I said, you know what? Actually, your bill is only £4 more. It's not that a massive amount. But if, like, like I said, if you don't wear and wear a mask, please walk out the door and don't come back. Because yeah. we don't need people like you here. Everybody else has been willing and kind. And this woman was really, she was a, she was, I really want to swear right now. She, <laughs> she wasn't a very nice person. Yeah. Um, but it's... I've got to look after my team. And I've got, and I think the main complaint for me was PPE. I don't want to wear a mask. The amount of times I hear that, shocking, honestly. Oh, really horrendous. Shocking. And you went, but, but, what, what? But, but you know, what, I mean, the rules. Like when we came back in July, we had all the PPE and we only had to wear a mask. Yeah? Yeah. And the clients did not then, they did yeah. not have to wear a mask. So they no, came they didn't. in. And it was no coffee, we were told, no beverages, blah, 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 no magazines, everything. Then on August the 11th, everything changed. Right, hairdressers now have to wear a visor with a mask. Yeah. Client has to wear a mask, but wait for it, you can now serve coffee and beverages in disposable cups. Yeah. So therefore, I've now got my visor on, I've yeah. now got my mask, yet my clients were not having a mask because they're now drinking coffee. Yeah. Yeah? It didn't make any I, sense. Ellie, how did you find Ellie with your clients? How did you find it when you were allowed to work again? I I found I got a lot of new clients, and I think that was because people were a bit scared of going out and thought, oh, if you can come to my house, not that it makes a huge amount of difference. But I, yeah, I noticed I got more clients. How did you feel about going to the houses though? Did you do you did you remember feeling nervous about it? Uh. Probably with the new people, because I thought, oh, why don't you want to go to the salon then? <laughs> um, and there was that bit of like, oh, what if they have got symptoms and they don't want to tell me? I did feel like that quite a lot because I was going to people's houses. So I did feel a bit like, oh. So obviously did I... They ex and what about the PPE? Were you wearing... Hopefully you're wearing PPE. Yeah, and were they... I, th I think what? that's also why. I think they thought they could get away with not wearing their mask. Yeah. So I think they thought, oh, I'm in my house. And she, I'm sure she won't make me wear it. And I thought, hey, yeah. if, I, if I'm all done up, so are you. Yeah, well, <laughs> you do. You've got, you've got to, it's safety. It's like, 
I don't know, it's like somebody begging you not to wear your seatbelt in a car. Why would you want somebody to be vulnerable? I just, I just why, think, who why could, would you do that? Who can be bothered to complain that much about it? Just do it. Um, yeah. It's not that big, big need to grow up. It's really difficult. What would be then? So I appreciate it's lovely having you all so candid and to share things. Going forward, then, what do you hope? What, Bruno? What if you could say, right? Let's sort this out. Would it be the VAT? Would it be if you could if you could choose a couple of things? I, th- that I you think, think the VAT would be a massive help, but. For, for me at the moment it, come, it comes back to the uncertainty like we discussed this morning when we go back uh, you, you know Casey picked up it's clients like I've had clients like Ellie said I've had clients contact me through social media and they said Bruno can you come I've got some high profile clients that one particular client was working abroad and she's for the TV and asked me to do her colour and could I come to her house and I said honestly I can't I've actually given the rules to all my team if I catch yeah. you doing you know, house visits, then I will sack you, especially when you're on furlough pay, and you're asking me to do do this. So I know they've been contacting my staff. And so her comment to me was, well, I've got a friend that's got um, a hairdresser that visits her, I'm gonna go to her to get my hair done. And this is someone I've been doing for 15 years. Mm -hmm. And I just think there are a big number of clientele which will convert to that now. And I find it so annoying personally when I see these hairdressers on social media doing their own hair and yeah. showing them how to colour and showing them how to cut their hair. Yeah. As if the hairdressing industry hasn't got enough issues and we're all going to be struggling. And I guarantee that when we come back, and I don't think we'll be back to around about April, we're going to be 25, 30% down on clients. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. Yeah. And so, we were talking about it this morning that even our staff, you know, when we do come back, some of them might go and do, um, you know, home hair. Yeah. and do door-to-door because I've seen it firsthand. Some of them have shown me the amount of message they've had because they're on social media and they've got their, you know, Mark, I'm so-and-so, I work for Mark Anthony, blah, blah, blah. The client's contacting them. Can yeah. you do this? Kind And I don't begrudge them and I don't say what they're doing is wrong because they've got to survive as well, mm. you know? But I yeah. feel the, the owners now, I was talking to Clive from Hob, we've got a hard year ahead. And this is not going away. And I really believe this with the vaccine, it's still going to be something for the next 12 months we're going to be living with. Yeah. So we need some support. What would you... Really 100% support. Is there any one... The would be a start. Yeah. Casey, is there any one or two things for you What in your position? What would make the big difference for you? I just think a bit more clarity because I I honestly feel like everything is really clouded at the moment. I don't know where I stand. Uh, you know, I'm newly a freelance hairdresser, and it's funny. I I I had this hope and dream of you know earning a lot more money and you know having a cute little studio which is being built at the moment and. You know, I just don't feel like I know where I am. And it's for for somebody who suffers with mental health, I feel like I'm starting to spiral again. And this time round, I can't be bothered to buy, you know, 10, 15 dolls heads and start doing more education. I can't be, I just can't, I can't be bothered to do it. I really, I really don't have the motivation. So for me, I just, all I'd like is a bit more clarity and a bit of security. Yeah. I just want to know that if we are going to be stuck like this, how am I going to survive as a human being? Because I feel like the hairdressing industry as a whole 
is not being looked at fairly. We are seeing sometimes, you know, you see not all, everybody in the Houses of Parliament laughing, you know, last lockdown. And I thought, how, how rude when we're the third largest contributor to the UK economy, yet you're laughing about us. Yeah. It's just, it just blows my mind that, you know, where you're sat there with your perfect manicure and your perfect blow dry and you're laughing about, hair, you know, beauticians and hairdressers. Yeah. It really irks me. And I, all I want to know is, where do I stand? Why haven't we got more support? And if we can get more support, where can we get it from? Yeah. Because believe me, you know, it's one thing for us to accept clients on the sly, which, like you say, some people are doing, which I would never condone to do that. But I kind of get it. I yeah. do. I understand. Because yeah. there's so much kind of f- sm- like fog. I yeah. don't know where I'm going, basically. Yeah. So... I know that was a long-winded way to say, <laughs> no, I, I no. just want a bit of clarity. But <laughs> One thing I would say is, Casey, you've got great personality, you're a great hairdresser, and you'll always be working. Thank you. Well, it's it's funny because even though I'm not working in a salon, I am working on a TV set. So I'm 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 earning money. I'm just not earning as uh, enough money, but I am earning money, which I'm I'm thankful for. I think at the end of the day, everybody, you know, from Casey to myself to other companies that got hundreds of salons or whatever, we're all in the same boat, and the issue's the same. It's just manifold. So. You know, but everyone, like I said, in our industry, they've been there, they've been supportive. And, you know, like I called um, Mark Leeson and Richard last night for a bit of advice because I wanted certain things and they just sent me over the link that they use to deal with it. And I, and I just think you, you've, got to not, you've got to get over, you know, not feel that you're silly or, or stupid. Yeah. Just be open and go and get the support because that's the one thing. I've got a great business or I did have up until 2019. <laughs> but, you know, there's times when it's hard and you don't know all the answers. And no. if you can get someone to help you, and yeah. our industry, there are hundreds of people out there that will help. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, like Casey, I struggled a lot with issues like feeling as though it was me not running my company properly or feeling a bit like if I had to close and make everyone redundant, it would be like my fault because I hadn't managed it, you know, now I feel much more like at peace with the idea that it's not me, it is COVID, it is the situation. But certainly at the first lockdown, I was just like determined that I wasn't going to end my career on this note. Uh, so yeah, yeah it's it's a lot to do, it's a lot to deal with. I think we've got to keep being kind, stop paying the landlords and believe that nobody else is paying them. <laughs> Let's all put pressure on for the VAT. Keep keep up to speed with what is happening. Look at things like the is it Salon Owners United, the Facebook page. Yes. Um yes. look at the BBC, look at the hairdressing council, look at the NHBF, look online for things, you know, decide what you mind about most and put your voice behind it. But also, you know, be kind to yourself and give yourself a break and just sort of believe, you know, and it's shit weather and it's January, which has been going on for 18 months already. This January feels like to me. <laughs> <laughs> but by the time people are listening to this next week, it'll be just about February or nearly. Yes. February, so. Oh, thank you so much, guys. There's a lot in there, but most of all, it's just been really nice to, to share and hear, you know, you don't want somebody saying, la la, everything's fine. You know, it's 
We've got to keep it's it not. real. And it's yeah. fine. But at least... But you've changed your figure in lockdown as well. Casey, haven't you? Me. Into muscles. <laughs> yeah, I've been I've been working out I've been working out quite a bit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I'm so I'm so lucky. My mum, where I'm I'm at my mum's house at the moment, which is about um, sixty miles away from my apartment. But my mum has a home gym, so I get to work out in a gym, which is brilliant because all of the gyms in Wales are closed. Yeah, I've got a full gym right in my house, oh my so I literally get to like I get to work any body part I want. I get Do to work. Of a time. Oh my God, well, there you go. You want you want to start an online fitness then? Yeah, absolutely <laughs> not. Because I I'm a, I'm I may be into fitness, but I'm like a flailing. I don't know what. I just <laughs> just I, put one of those wigs on and go out there, Casey Twigs. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen your videos with your wigs on as well, Bruno. Yeah, exactly. I've, seen, I've seen your fitness videos. Bruno Pump. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, on that brilliant. note, I'm going to take this off record. So say goodbye to okay. all the listeners, everybody. Bye. Oh, bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thanks for listening. Bye. Thank you very much to Bruno Mark and to Casey Coleman and to Ellie for also joining the Respectfully podcast today. We hope you have enjoyed listening to the show. You can find many more podcasts on our Respectfully channel, which is available on iTunes and Spotify and other providers. Don't forget to rate and review us as it helps drive us up the charts, which makes it easier for other people to discover the Respectfully podcast as well. Until next time, thank you very much.